Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. Here by the Manchester Evening News, I am your host today, Ash Barami, and I am pleased, as always, to be joined by Charlotte Dunker. Hello. A very cool Charlotte Dunker. I'm yeah. And Samuel Luckhurst. <laughs> Hello. How are we both doing? Well, apart from being cold, absolutely <laughs> great. Samuel? Not not bad, thank you. Not bad. It's It's been a good week for United and only one place to start and that is the midweek victory over Spurs at Old Trafford. Samuel, it was Mourinho's return to Old Trafford, but it was Solskjaer who prevailed. It was. It didn't really feel like a duel between them at the end of it. It was, it was more a case of... United just needing that that victory and we we could have been starting this podcast on, on a very different topic had United lost that I think had United lost that game it would be is, is Solskjaer going to see out the year what what's what's the time frame there but United were excellent particularly up until Ali's goal it was the best best period of football uh, they've they've produced all season I'd still say it was the best performance they've come up with this season given the opposition given the occasion their form going into the game as well. Um, I don't think was, there was a single bad performance out there. And when when everyone performs at the level that they did, you, you've got to hope to win. So it, I, I suppose from not, not a cynical perspective, but the fact that they were clinging on a little bit at the end, that's still something that they've got to improve upon. But the, the atmosphere was, was terrific. I thought the crowd were, were phenomenal. And towards the end, um, you know, it was... It, it was genuinely spine tingling stuff there was a real togetherness and, and spirit between um, players and supporters which has not always been the case although I think the, the supporters I know there's this cliche about how knowledgeable Liverpool fans are that's that's quite nauseating but with United fans they, they don't tend to turn on the manager the manager has to go to somewhere along the line to have them specifically boo him which was the case with Van Gaal but Mourinho didn't get that stick and Solskjaer he's banked more than enough goodwill as, 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 a, as a player for the club that I don't think they're ever going to outwardly turn on him because although his management is problematic at times he's not the biggest problem at the club and it's just amazing what a win can do at the press conference today he actually sounded like a Manchester United manager and he's coming out with quotes that, that supports are lapping up which has, has not happened for quite a while yeah, it's Charlotte. I mean, we'll we'll touch on the managerial situation in a short while. But Charlotte, one player that obviously stood out as always is Marcus Rashford, and this year he's, he's I mean, he's looking like stats wise, goals and assists. He's he's going for the best season he's ever had in his career, and nine goals, four assists in fifteen league games. That's it's a remarkable return for a player that only two months ago we were saying like, what's wrong with him? Why is he not playing well? Yeah, he's in unbelievable form, and to be fair, he could have had more goals on Wednesday night. He was unlucky not to get his hat trick, but um, he's been he's been great. But then we've also seen him in that game against Aston Villa. That was last Sunday, wasn't it? It's interesting how Samuel said there wasn't a bad performance from any player on the pitch on Wednesday. And I know it sounds daft, but that's the difference between them getting a draw against this team that have just been promoted and beating Tottenham because everyone on the pitch was bad against Aston Villa. And if they all up their game, they know they're capable of it, but we've not seen, it's not been consistent. And Solskjaer was asked about that today, wasn't he, in his press conference about inconsistencies. And that obviously there's not that much quality in the squad, but if they all up their game and play together, they are capable of grinding out these results. But 
getting them to do that week in week out is the biggest problem and it'll be interesting to see if they can do it again on Saturday yeah Samuel what is the, what is it with United that they can up the game against the big teams and go toe to toe with them but then against the teams so-called the lesser teams they they just look like a completely different different side they have a small time mentality as as galling as that might be to, to hear they, they have a small time mentality um go back 10 years to when when they won the league in 09 and United's record against the, the, the big four as they were known at the time was was terrible they they didn't I think they only won once maybe and out of six but all the small teams all the, fo- the, the, the fodder if you like they they dismissed so so easily and they won the game uh, sorry they won the league with with a game to spare one of the supporters um, was clearly quite a knowledgeable United fan was quite amusing that he said that the way United are the United players are is like Leeds in 1996 um, when obviously Alex Ferguson came out with a quote about their cheating their manager when they were down to 10 minute Old Trafford and they played out their skin with Lucas Radderby in goal who's a defender uh, the goalie Mark Beasley had been sent off and that quote from Ferguson then triggered Kevin Keegan's I would love it if we beat them response because he was affronted by the suggestion that um, Leeds who were about to play Newcastle wouldn't play out their skin against Newcastle because they'd want Newcastle to win the league ahead of United and there are some parallels with that because it's, it's, it's sometimes it's just like reinforcing the focus when you see players like Kane, Ali, Mora, um, Alderweireld in the tunnel I think as a footballer, you're going to think, right, I need to really be on my game tonight. If you see the Aston Villa side, I mean, with all due respect to Aston Villa, there's some players who I can't remember who lined up last week. They've got some very good players, but the majority of them, I think the you know, the average United match go isn't going to isn't going to have heard of. And you just you kind of relax. You think, OK, this is going to be easy. We're going to coast through this. And United do not have, as Gary Neville alludes to, they do not have um, the leadership and experience for people to be getting on players' cases, saying, what the hell are you playing at? Why are you playing that pass? Why aren't you being more adventurous? Why are you being so slow? Nobody has that seniority. Even De Gea has obviously been a world-class player and he's been there for, for over eight years. But he's a goalkeeper and he's quite a placid character anyway he's, he's he's the polar opposite to Peter Michael so I think that is pretty key uh, you saw it at Sheffield United you saw it against Aston Villa um, and as I said I think it's just it, it is a small time mentality but they, they're getting the best from their players for these big games so it, I'm, I'm trying to like work it out with almost like some sort of equation but it's like the Solskjaer gets the best from his players in the big game so it's just a case of them players motivate, motivating themselves I don't know how much Mourinho's return inspired some of the players to the levels that they achieved but I th- yeah it's, I think, it's a I think there one. was an element of that but there, but the overriding fact was that they, they needed points and they needed a performance because they they were abysmal at Sheffield United um, they were pretty poor well not pretty poor they were very poor against Aston Villa as well um, didn't deserve to, to win either game so when you're in that situation come back coming off an international break and it's going into a, a big month you, you need a performance I do as I said I think it was, it was quite telling watching the um, the monitors just before they came out for the game the camera was fixed on Ashley Young in the um, the frame of the dressing room door and Tottenham had already come out into the tunnel and so if United were making them wait and wait and wait and you start to think are they just trying to keep their distance from Mourinho or something like that 
um, you start to wonder at the end of the game of course they've they've won it and they're all shaking hands with him McTominay obviously gets on well with him still talks with him um, Rashford goes out of his way to shake his hand what his brother did the next day was just puerile really um, I think that that's a sign of someone who's not a very experienced advisor and I think Rashford could do with some more seasoned advisors going ahead um, there, there have been certain commitments he's had recently away from football uh, where actual journalists have been advising the PR there um, to, to pass on some advice to Rashford because of image appearances it's, it's a whole minefield to get in but he could do with better advice on that um, I think there was only maybe one player who seemed to consciously keep his distance from Mourinho but he'd gone over to applaud the crowd and he was playing on that side anyway so he might have caught up with him in the tunnel but it's again it just comes back to this whole this big game mentality it's a, it's a big game mentality but it's also a small time mentality yeah Charlotte it wouldn't be a Manchester's Red podcast without mentioning McTominay or Fred in one um, what, maybe you, should we brand it every week it's going to be the McTominay and Fred discussion Manchester's Fred yeah Manchester's Fred do you, do you think them two have cemented that, that a partnership in midfield now because I mean people Pogba's coming back in the next month or so but when Pogba was out, people were saying, oh, no, what's going to happen? But I feel like Fred and uh, McTominay have really, like, cemented their, that, their, their positions now in that team. Well, McTominay's been undroppable for a while and he's been exceptional this season. And I think when you see Fred alongside Andreas Pereira, it's just an absolute nightmare pairing. Um, so, personally, I don't think Pereira should be any, going anywhere near the first team anytime soon. I'd rather see someone like James Garner given given a chance over him so then you look and it is Fred but I think Fred looks solid when he's alongside McTominay so them two and Pogba you'd imagine as a midfield three do you think it's strange how Pereira is ahead of Mata in the pecking order at United at the moment it seems front of Mata yeah I, I mean I, I, I don't know maybe Pereira brings more off the ball and with his work rate or whatever but I feel like in terms of just ability and maybe well, the position he was, chance the open. position he was playing him in though like against Aston Villa is not where it's different positions isn't it yeah but I've, you're getting a better player I suppose at the end of the day in that position I don't know I, I'm just I'm just curious as to what the, the thinking on Pereira is. The comparison more there is, that, that's valid as Charlotte alluded to is, is Garner because he's that deep line role. I, I did the piece at the start of the week about Pereira and that against Brighton the second game last season he got swamped. It was awful. I think he came off at half time and then he's dropped for the next game. Um, he had to wait a while to start on Solskjaer and I think that was Burnley in January when Solskjaer made a couple of changes. Again, Burnley sussed him. He was terrible. He was dropped for the next game. Uh, again, playing in that deep line role. And then at Sheffield United, he was absolutely hopeless. Substitute during the game. And you think, OK, drop him. But he didn't. Uh, keeps him in the team against Aston Villa. And he was absolutely woeful. Uh, apart from the cross he provided for the equaliser. But one one second in God knows how many. Um, he wasn't that game. good when he came on on Wednesday. No, he was a liability then. Um, it has got to the point where you just you do start to feel a bit sorry for him but on the other the, the flip side of it is that he's getting so many chances he's got to you know he's got to have the gumption to do something and affect play somehow or other but he should he just shouldn't be in that position he shouldn't be in the team he, he probably shouldn't even be at the club but for some reason some bright spark decided 
we'll give him a four was it a three year four year contract in the in the summer this is a guy who up until then had started about 15 times for United in, in four years if that um, you know again we're not going to talk about technical <laughs> director but again that's that's why they need one because I think it's gone beyond the the time now because you say oh he needs a chance is he going to bed in he's not how, how's he going to prove that he can do it without having a chance but he's had the chances and he's proved he's not good enough so mm. he's not a young player anymore either that's, that's 24 next month yeah it's, it's fine thought yeah well you consider and compare other past United Academy players what they'd done by that stage of their career and you still look at him and I think he is another player a little bit like Jesse Lingard it's not happened so much recently but people would still refer to him as a young player because they just think he's 22 or 21 but he's not he's been around an awfully long time and given his contract length he's going to be around a little longer by the looks of things yeah Charlotte as well was Mourinho's return to Old Trafford I mean I think by the end I think people were maybe sort of expecting a bit of a not expecting but you had in the back of your mind that maybe it might be a bit of a wild Mourinho a bit of Mourinho that was a bit fiery but he seemed pretty pretty calm and almost there was a bit of an acceptance of the defeat I'm not sure bitter is the right word because I don't think there was that feeling and there's not I don't think if you spoke to match going reporters and reporters fans they um they don't have hard feelings against him so I, there was all that dis- discussion before the game wasn't what sort of reaction is he going to get and I just think he did good things while he was there and it didn't work out and he left I don't think there's any resentment f- from from the fans towards him so there was never going to be that hostile hostile reaction obviously there's always the the small chance that he could do something wild but there was He's just started in a new job. I don't think he was going to rock up to his old workplace and start kicking water bottles Not yet. around. <laughs> no. Unless he's unta- uh, sorry, unless he's un- antagonised, yeah. he's he's going to be quite respectful. At Chelsea, he was antagonised because some idiot behind the dugout called him Judas when he'd been sacked twice. So he gives him the three fingers. Um, the Marco Iani thing last year he was well entitled to confront that Burke when he was giving it big to the United bench and of course motions run high and he's given the three fingers again um, I don't Juventus. think it was ever in yeah Juventus <laughs> like as he said like you know he's getting stick from Italians for 90 minutes and United turn it around and he wants to wants to savour it and if you, if you didn't enjoy that moment just as a, as a football fan then I think there's something wrong with you uh, so unless they really turned on him and started you know, charting F off Mourinho or something like that um, it, was, it was always going to be fine they, they chanced his name twice earlier this season when he was back there for the, for the Chelsea and Liverpool games as a pundit it was, it was completely normal the other night United fans wanted to win so they didn't chant his name he wanted to win because he's the Tottenham manager now and he was against United so it was, it was a good game playing a good spirit which is what made it a shame that Rashford's brother had to be so puerile on again on social media as well. For fans who were listening, obviously you don't know much about that. What what would what, what what went on there with with the brother? Yeah, yeah. He he posted a picture of it was a screenshot of Mourinho after Rashford wasted that chance against young boys um, in the Champions League last season when he turned to his bench. And he was I think he had, crossed his arms and shook his head because it was a terrible finish. And United, I think Fellaini scored a late, really, really late winner and they got through. But the talk of it was how 
supposedly despicable Mourinho's reaction was to a, a terrible finish. You, you, you know, obviously it was bad, and he wasn't going. There are some managers like Klopp who just start clapping because he's a happy clapping so and so. There are other managers who will react to it badly. The, the point in case at the time was that Ronaldo had. There was, there was that clip of Ronaldo at Wigan where he smashed a shot over. He turns around and Ferguson's going berserk at him. So, if, if I mean that was pretty much a surrogate father-son relationship going on there. So if you can have that level of intensity, there's no problem with Mourinho reacting that way. But because Rashford is, I think, quite mollycoddled and he's protected by his family, his family look after him and his interests as as like they're his agents effectively they think they know best in terms of dealing with him I think if you're taking on that position of responsibility looking after a footballer you can't stoop to puerile social media posts like that that's what a footballer would do you're meant to be there to say no don't do that you're going to come across like a bit of a, a burke there it's, it's completely unnecessary so I think from the brother's perspective he's thinking uh, Marcus has, has got two goals he's really stuck it to Jose but you've got to take the bigger picture and think well Mourinho did say look this kid has got to be on the left wing he's not a centre forward that's where he had his best game for Mourinho against Liverpool he scored twice Rashford's in the form of his career at the moment playing from the left wing you know Mourinho improved him as a player he started him in finals uh, I think the Europa League final the FA Cup final they won trophies together he was an ins- he was an important step on you know he was an important coach in his career so far so it, it was it was completely unnecessary and then of course it, it it's in danger of taking the narrative away from what was a very good win for United as well yeah and to, I mean one, from one manager to another I want to touch on Sasha I mean the managerial situation now seems it feels a bit redundant now because I mean yeah. they've, they've, they've just beaten Spurs and but and if they, they didn't get the result against Spurs yeah. they'd be the top of Pochettino so. But I feel like again, if United lose to City in the loss, it's not pretty. In a, in a, well, I think it, it depends of, in the way, in the which way, if they did if, get beat. If they get hammered five nil, then Pochettino's name is going to be going viral again. If they lose two one or three one, it's much for muchness, and it's it's kind of expected, yeah. and it's a bit apathetic. Um, What's the situation there with with Pochettino? Because I read that he's he's coming back to Europe, and I don't know if that's with Bayern or whatever. But what? What's, what's the understanding with Pochettino's interest and in where he wants to go next? He's not got any, as, as far as I understand it, he's not got any um, emotional obligation not to manage Arsenal if Arsenal were to come calling, just because he managed Tottenham for five and a half years. He'd be quite open to doing that. I do think he would much rather prefer the United job. He wanted it last season. Um, he's He's got a very warm rapport with Ferguson as well. Uh, the, the two of them went out for, for lunch I think it was about three and a half years ago there's, so there's a good emotional bond there and of course it takes him away from, from possibly that conflict of, of being Arsenal manager the trouble is that Daniel Levy has, has, has placed barriers there for any club if they want to get Pochettino before the end of the season so if any rival wants to appoint him it's not as straightforward as just saying you're a free available manager There's there are some clauses there that mean they have to go through Daniel Levy the Tottenham chairman to get him and that can be off-putting for United who are not always the, the, the they're not a club that that just go that's our manager and, and he's appointed within a few days I know that was the case with Solskjaer but he was a caretaker 
Um, Van Gaal, even though they had him lined up, didn't get the job until the season had ended. Mourinho obviously had to wait five months because they were in and out and whether to sack Van Gaal. Um, as, as was stated earlier in the week, they've not got any intention of sacking Solskjaer at the moment. If they sacked him after a 2-2 draw against Aston Villa, having drawn against Sheffield United the previous week, it would have been odd. Um, but it's not like there's a guarantee that he gets the rest of the season. It, it is an industry, it's a re- results-based industry. And week by week as well, isn't it? it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It che- the, it's, as you say, you said, like, you used the word redundant. It does feel like that, even talking about the manager's, managerial situation now. If they lose at Watford on the 22nd of December, if they lose against Everton, um, if they lose against Colchester, possibly, in, in the League Cup, then it becomes a much more relevant topic again. So it is a day-by-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute, second-by-second mm-hmm. um, thing there. They, they clearly want Solskjaer to do well, as they wanted Van Gaal to do well, as they wanted Mourinho to do well. Um, but but there are... Obviously, there are justifiable doubts about Solskjaer's management because of the way the season's gone. It's still, what, five wins in 15 in the league, I think it is. Yeah. Um, they, they do need some kind of galvanising effect to take them on. And as I said, had they lost Tottenham, then we would probably have been opening this podcast talking about are, are United going to change manager at some point soon? Absolutely. And Charlotte, I mean, this takes us nicely on to the derby this weekend. Do you feel like it's a fixture at the right time for United? I mean, on the back of a win against Spurs like that, it's almost like the momentum is going to carry them into this game this weekend. And it, it's probably, if there's ever a good time to play, you'd look liable to away. Then I mean, the way probably, City have been playing, be you'd have rather they'd played them two weeks ago. But um, I think that... Yeah, they need to take the momentum and the belief that they can go there and win. And City, I think, is it eight eight league eight games now? City have conceded on the bounce, so yeah, I think so, they've yeah. got a leaky defence. The left back situation, they don't have a very good left back. It's going to, I reckon, Mendy will start, but Angelino's the other option, and Zinchenko's not fully fit because he's only just recovered from his injury. So if you put Daniel James down down the right wing attacking a vulnerable left back then United can definitely get in behind them and they can definitely score but the biggest issue that you've seen season after season is how good City can be going forward and if you just fear that United could capitulate because there's been times this season where they've gone behind and once they've gone behind they really struggle to get themselves out of that lull or their heads go so I think it's possible they can go there and get a decent result on Saturday but it's going to have to be one of them performances where everything clicks and not what we saw against Aston Villa last Sunday. Do you feel like it it suits United in the sense that if they're not going to have most of the ball as you'd expect they can they can maybe sit back and look for that counter-attacking option it feels like it, it suits them in a weird way yeah it it does they've they've not got the midfield to control a game like that so you suspect they'll end it with about 40% possession um, but City have got Fernandinho in defence who really should not be playing there despite what Guardiola keeps saying I know he's clearly distrusting of the other two centre-backs and he has every right to be because they're just not very good but um, James Robson formerly of this parish actually made a very good point about Fernandinho in that because he makes a lot of tactical fouls if you play him in midfield and he makes a tactical foul he's doing it you, normally by virtue of his position he's doing it so far away from goal you can't harm them at all 
Yet last week, of course, he's lucky not to be sent off and he makes a foul just outside the area. And what happens, because it's so close to the area, they shift it to Shelby, he scores and City drop two points. United definitely targeted company in the April derby at Old Trafford in the first half where they punched above their weight for a bit. They they went toe-to-toe with City. It was nil-nil at half-time. And Rashford's in fine form now. As Charlotte said, City's left-back, whoever it is, you'd take... Ashley Young or Brandon Williams or even Luke Shaw probably over them. It's not a good, it's not a position where they're blessed with quality. It's very much a case of quantity. The centre-halves are dodgy. Whoever is playing, unless Lepore magically is, is fit again and comes in, he's pretty much the only centre-back Guardiola trusts there. Um, so when you take that into account, you take into account that Rodri's not exactly pulled up many trees. I know this is trying to take quite a glass half full outlook for United, but you can see them getting a positive result. You can also see them, I think this endemic of United going into just every game, regardless of your opposition, you can see them winning, losing or drawing. They are, they can be that unpredictable at times. I don't think anybody really saw a performance of, of that level on, on Wednesday night coming. So... There's an awful lot of cause for optimism there. Yeah. Charlotte. I think it's because they're so, inc- like you say there, every single game, it's like, what's going to happen? And we all sit there and go, oh, what do you think is going to happen today? And and it, everyone goes, anything could happen. But I think it's because the performances have been so wide ranging. You go back to the opening day of the season and they beat Chelsea 4-0. And then they put in a performance like they did against Spurs. But then they go to Sheffield United and don't turn up for 70 minutes and you just don't no matter what team he picks you just don't know what performance you're going to get from them and yeah. that's the biggest problem yeah what do you think will happen both yeah. of you charlotte oh i don't know i i think i think it's will be tight but i think city will win samuel I'd, I'd like to be like Martin Samuel and just say I don't do predictions and, and leave it <laughs> like that but i know you won't let me off so I, i'd probably still go with a city when United do not keep clean sheets and you cannot see them keeping a clean sheet against that city side so um, it's the onus on them to, to to score more as simple as that sounds and that's that's a very tall order unless there's a 15 minute purple patch like there was two seasons ago well you know the cliche about form going out the window for a derby you never know yeah I never use that's it a, that's, a, that's one of <laughs> Wes the Brown pulled that out on me the other day yeah Oh, great. That's how well it went. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the end of the interview. Anything can happen in a Derby, he said. Is the interview live yet? Uh, two lines, yeah. Mm. Two lines if you want to read them on the Manchester Union oh. News website. Yeah, I'll have a look at that later. <laughs> and I think everyone else should as well. Thank you, Samuel. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for listening to the, this episode of Manchester's Red Podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, please be sure to do so. We will be back again next Monday where we will review the derby and look ahead. Thank you very much and we'll see you next time.